This episode of the Interlude podcast contains discussions of domestic violence and is intended for mature audiences only. He mentions the refrigerator twice. Like, did she have something that was like you could find on the prices right? Like, it was like a yeah, something right? it, like it's a frigidaire with the ice maker. Like, well, why? Apparently, it has a sculpted head. I don't know if this is part of the refrigerator or like a fridge magnet or something. But like, it mentions it in the, twice. the last. Yeah, exactly. Twice. Hey, this is Grace. And this is Kit. And welcome to The The Interlude. Interlude, the sexiest game of chicken on the internet. Hey there, Kit. How's it going? Well, I have a feeling that I am going to be in for quite a ride this episode. Absolutely. I know you have something in store for me. I do, I do. But first, let's talk about what we're drinking tonight. Oh, this is so good. And you just made this. I did. I just made this. These are extra dirty martinis. Oh, I love it. Extra dirty. Yes, with a lemon-filled olive. And what I love is that that lemon actually comes across in the brine that you put in. Mm-hmm. Uh, dirty martini, for those who don't know, is just a regular martini, but with olive brine added as well. So if you like brine or pickles or anything like that, definitely check it out. Uh, yeah. But these lemon olives are so, so Delicious. Good. So delicious. I thought this was a very fitting one because I was so inspired by your James Joyce episode that we did that you researched that I thought there surely are some other famous writers out there that have done some real good, top-notch, dirty letter writing. Oh, of course. If you would expect anyone to do some really good, dirty letter writing to their mistresses, wives, husbands, whatever, it would be authors. Absolutely. So we've got a classic, classic drink. So we're talking about some very classic authors here that have just really, really hit it out of the ballpark in terms of dirty letters that are just delicious to read. All right, lay it Um, on me. So when I was researching this, I I got real excited because I I saw, oh, there are some dirty love letters from uh, Frida Kahlo and Mm -hmm. Oscar Wilde. Oh, I love Oscar Wilde. Kafka. I thought these were going to be great. They were not great. They were beautifully written, but they were not dirty enough for my taste. You know, that doesn't surprise me. Okay, why is that? Well, okay, so Oscar Wilde, famously considered indecent for being homosexual. Jailed for it, even. Right, jailed. Yes, exactly. So I could entirely see him sort of playing it safe, kink-wise. You know, you only go two directions from there. You're either like, this this is something that's causing a lot of problems. I'm going to, like, dial it back with everything else and have yes. this be the main thing. Mm-hmm. Or you're like well, fuck it. I'm just going to go whole hog and, you know, just do every single dirty thing on the on the planet. Right. I'm just going to just write letters about shitting all over my wife. Exactly. <laughs> oh, no, I'm yes. sorry. I'm sorry. Her shitting on him. Yes. Right. Yeah. It didn't escape my attention that it was not reciprocated. No, 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 no. James Joyce was someone who wanted to be shat upon. No two ways about it. He did not want to do the shitting. Yes. No, no. Um, he did not want to do the shitting. Yeah. And that's fine. That's the way a lot of those fetishes work. But yeah, so Oscar Wilde, I guess I can see that. Kafka, 
honestly, anything he wrote would probably just come out as uh, very incomprehensible. I was surprised to see him on the list, actually, mm. at all. So I got real excited. I thought, okay, you know, we've all read Metamorphosis, and that was just, ugh, that was well, okay, real I thick. <laughs> you haven't read Metamorphosis? I have not read Metamorphosis. Okay, I'm sorry. This is one of those compulsory reading things in high school that we had to read. Oh, we had so many of those. No, we did too. I'm surprised that that wasn't one of them for you. No, no, no. And to me, Metamorphosis is one of those things that's sort of taken on a life outside of the actual work. Where it's known for sort of what it tackles. Like a man turning, you know, waking up as a cockroach and then having to work his way through life uh in that in that respect and really man is a cockroach absolutely we wake up every day as cockroaches and the cogs of capitalism despite all my rage i'm still just a cockroach in a cage uh but yeah and that did not stop me from for one halloween with my college roommates (laughs) doing a crossover costume kafka's metamorphin power rangers you were the best kind of nerd in the world that's that's great i will tell you had we been in college together, that totally would have worked. I would have taken you home to my dorm room, made you sit in the closet, and I would have shit on you. Mm. <laughs> As you do. Fair play. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great first day. Well, um, that's a great segue into the very first excerpt of Dirty Letters that I want ru- oh, to really? read to you. Because More this closet is shitting. Not closet shitting. This is also an author that we were forced to read in many of my classes in high school. This was one that I actually really, really loved. And it's an author in a book that I am surprised was assigned. This is one of those classic, we're gonna ban this book kind of books, right? Right, Because it dealt with sexual content. Um, And that is Gustave Flaubert. Oh, one of my favorites, Madame Bovary. Yes, Yes. Madame Bovary. I read that. It just captivated me. And I've watched every film adaptation of Madame Bovary that I could get my hands on. There was something about that character, Mm -hmm. about the feeling of, is that all there is? Which is a very French feeling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know. It's also like, do? <laughs> yes. It's, you know, you got got that, is that all, you know, it's just a, a very, just like, the, oh, just life, it keeps going, you know. So I was really surprised, not at the time. At the time, I was like, well, this is classic literature. But it's, it's yeah. interesting how if something was written in the 1800s, it could be about the dirtiest thing. This is about adultery. Mm-hmm. And just she takes a lover in the woods in the shack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it was written by a French guy in the 1800s. So it's mm-hmm. literature and we're going to make everybody read it. Did you have to read Madame Bovary in, in high school? Not in high school. So okay. here's the thing. We didn't read Madame Bovary until my senior year of college hmm. in my French major. So I actually have a copy right here. Okay. Uh, in, in, in French. French. Yeah. This this is the copy that we read for one of my classes uh, okay. for my French major. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm going to have you read an excerpt of a letter that Gustave wrote to his lover, Louise Colette. In 1846. So we're going all the way back, you guys. We're going back. People have been writing dirty letters to each other, um, you know, for a very long time. But I'm going to have you read this excerpt here for me. Gustave Flaubert to Louise Collet from 1846. I will cover you with love when I next see you, with caresses, with ecstasy. I want to gorge you with all the joys of the flesh so that you faint and die 
I want you to be amazed by me, and to confess to yourself that you had never even dreamed of such transports. When you are old, I want you to recall these few hours. I want your dry bones to quiver with joy when you think of them. Mm. Okay, now that... Oh, that is good. That is a love letter. Oh. That is that is that is a text. It oh is my God. it is dirty but in like the classiest way. Absolutely. Like I long to get missives of this nature. Right. And given nary to me. a mention of being shit upon. No, not not a single shit. James was, Joyce was given. Yeah, not, not a single shit was given. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I just I love this so much. It is beautiful. It really conveys the longing and the physicality of it, too, but in a way that's not lewd. Like, man of Tinder, take fucking note. You want to get a girl in bed? Write shit like this. Like, this is beautiful. This is not bad erotica. No, no, this is not bad erotica, but I do have a question for you. Mm -hmm. So, I know that you've talked before about sort of guys really feeling like they are driven to give a woman an orgasm so they can feel good about themselves. Mm-hmm, sure. It's, it's for their own satisfaction. It's not for the woman. Mm-hmm. It's doing service to the woman so that they can feel like they've won something. They, sure. They've succeeded. Like, it's for them. Does this come out in this particular missive? It does, in, in a way. It seems really strongly present to me that this guy is like, I want to be the winner in this contest mm. I've invented. That is a that is a good point that you make. However, just me personally, the way that I'm built, <laughs> I'm gonna have a good time regardless. Oh yeah, no, I know. But I want you to be amazed by me and to confess to yourself that you had never even dreamed of such transports. Mm-hmm. Now, for the time, I don't believe that sex was seen as this transcendent experience. It was just kind of you did it to procreate it was like you and the cows and you know it was just that's what it was for most people i don't know that there was such an emphasis put upon the experience being good there was an emphasis put on love sure but most marriages in that in that time were marriages of convenience of property transfer love was like oh if you like each other that's also great but you know, I don't know that this is something that was really emphasized as an ideal. Well, okay. So in mid-19th century France, and this is where my which French is, major actually comes in handy. Right, which, um, is, which is exactly when this was written. Yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what I'm saying. In mid-19th century France, there was a very heavy emphasis on the romantic, on mm-hmm. pleasures of the flesh, of... At least for people of a certain status. I mean, you're right. right. For you know, for your arm, average uh, farmer or person out in the country or village person, blacksmith, mm-hmm. whatever. The village people. Well, the village people did not know love. <laughs> they just knew the YMCA. Le YMCA. <laughs> but for a certain level of person, which Gustave Flaubert definitely was. There was a very strong emphasis on the romantic and mm, on okay. sex being something to aspire to be pleasurable experience, to be good at, to to really spice life up. Okay, well, in that case, then this is not out of line for his status and his no, station. No, no, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I, this to me did not come off, I'm doing this to you for me. 
partially yes you know you want to be thought mm-hmm. of as a good lover mm-hmm. i mean i stand by this being gustav doing this for gustav this is <laughs> well he's a man and a writer exactly and so there that's judging something over 150 years old by modern standards like of course this is what like this was probably actually fairly forward thinking for the time mm-hmm caring about making sure that she you know had a, a very good time as well this is foreplay this letter yeah this letter yeah, is absolutely. foreplay this yeah, letter this, is this is romance this letter is baby when i see you next time i'm gonna keep on my leather duster <laughs> we need in the desert <laughs> a softcore 90s groove behind this okay i think i think you're right i think we have the lyrics to the 90s horny yes. 90s love song yes. that i'm gonna write I love it. Okay. All right. This is great because it's it's wonderful to be able to talk to someone who was a French lit major <laughs> about this and get some additional context. But yes, I loved Madame Bovary. Even as a teenager, as a young girl, I really had that feeling of, is that all there is? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Wanting and yearning more excitement in my life and knowing that becoming a wife and a mom, that was the path that I was told I should go on. And I did take that path. And it was unfulfilling, <laughs> much like Madame Bovary. A little bit of foreshadowing for my life there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that just really captured me. Yeah. So a couple of interesting things about uh, Gustave Flaubert, which I literally just looked up on Wikipedia while you were talking just now. <laughs> this is a professional show. <laughs> <laughs> so he got around. Mm. He fucked. Okay. Um, Gustav Flaubert fucks. Gustav Flaubert fucks. And if he writes like that, I can see why. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was very open about all of his encounters. He was a fuckboy. Okay. He was a fuckboy. But could a fuckboy write like this? Like he was no a fuckboy f- with a good pen. No fuckboy. Okay. I have dated my share of fuckboys. None of them have ever written to me anything even close to this. None of them have tried in this way. I think if you're writing like this, you're elevated above fuckboy. You're fuck man. Although, props to him because he, it, if I get the dates right here, also wrote this letter to Louise Collet in 1846 while he was traveling to Brittany with his lifelong friend. Oh, friend. Maxime Ducamp. Oh, friend. This Maxime, friend. yes. Oh, and they say he's just a friend. Okay, I yep, got it. Absolutely. Okay, also, so was there a little bit of, um, I don't know. I feel like yes. a lot of artistic people, uh, the sexuality is more fluid. Absolutely. And guess who he had a close friendship and correspondence with? Oscar Wilde. <laughs> close. Okay. Someone else we just talked about. George Sand? Yes. Oh, I love yes, that. Yes, right? I didn't know that connection. Yeah. Yes, we will have to watch Children of the Century, uh, where George Sand is played by, oh, is it, I think it's Juliette Binoche, perhaps? Yeah, great movie. Amazing, sexy, love it. Yes. Okay. All right, so. So we're going to fast forward in time to about 110 years exactly. And the next famous author, also with a high school connection, is Arthur Miller. Oh, yes. yes. Arthur Miller. Yes. Uh, Arthur Miller famously wrote the play The Crucible, which was, of course, set in uh, the Salem Witch Trial Times, which was an allegory to the modern day McCarthy era hearings that was happening. I landed the role of Abigail in my high school production of, of The Crucible. You did. Yes. Of course you did. Nailed that audition, cried. It was, it was, you know, one of my finest moments. And I bet your Dancing with the Devil was 
cry. It was the best. Yes. Yes. Also, yeah. one of my favorite plays, Death of a Salesman. Oh, that's right. Yes, he, that's a great one. Yes. That's a great one, too. It was Goody Proctor. I saw him Sir dancing, dancing with the, the devil in, yep. in the forest. So, of course, the... More weight. <laughs> more weight. More weight. Yes. Oh, poor Giles. So, Arthur Miller, of course, famously was married to Marilyn Monroe. A fact which I did not know until I, just now. I do not understand what rock you were living under. Oh, Iowa. Iowa. Yes. <laughs> one giant rock. Uh, they were married for five years, which is that's like Mar- a record. It's Marilyn right? Monroe's longest marriage. Yep, oh, yes. that's a record. Okay. Yes. So you know Marilyn Monroe, famous bombshell. Mm-hmm. You know, defined sex appeal in America right. still right. does in a lot of ways. So I, I will have you read this. So he famously said that you know once they were married, she would do one movie every eighteen months because she would be busy, busy doing what you ask. Being his wife, which was a full-time job. So this guy sounds real peachy. Oh, yeah. I hate him already. Yes. However, okay. Here is his a letter that he wrote to his bride-to-be, Marilyn Monroe. I will kiss you and hold you close to me, and sensational things that will then happen. All sorts of slides, rollings, pitchings, rambunctiousness of every kind. And then I will sigh. And when you rest your head on my shoulder, then... Slowly, I will get hungry. Hungry is actually all caps. It is absolutely all capitalized. He's shouting that. I will come again to the kitchen, pretending you are not there, and discover you again. And as you stand there cooking breakfast, I will kiss your neck and your back, and the sweet cantaloupes of your rump, and the backs of your knees, and turn you about and kiss your breasts, and the eggs will burn. Mmm... That part there, you, the eggs will burn. That just, mm, that gets me. I like mm-hmm. that. I like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a man with a mission. Yes. I'm not super crazy about the whole domestic, like, this is Marilyn Monroe. Like, she shouldn't be cooking in a kitchen. No, like, I can't. What even, the fuck? I can't even picture that. I mean, Marilyn Monroe in an apron and nothing else. Like, that, that's kind okay, of a hot. Absolutely. As part of a shoot, I can't picture Marilyn Monroe doing any domestic task. I can already tell you why their marriage uh, didn't work, because he wanted to turn Marilyn Monroe into his personal housewife, and that's just not who she was. No. Do you want to share the story about uh, the gentleman who met you performing? Oh, yeah. No, this is this is a, a great example. This is a very typical male thing. I... You know, I am sidelined because of COVID, but I I have been a burlesque performer in San Francisco for, you know, about 10 years now. And I met a gentleman at one of my burlesque shows. So he knew what I did, met him at a burlesque show, saw me perform. So one of these weird, this is a, a weird thing about burlesque is that I will often, gentlemen will often see me naked before we ever have sex. <laughs> That is uh, a thing I've run into as well. Yes. Like, I, there have been people I've dated for many years where I met them naked the first, like, three, four, five times. And then we went on a date after meeting at uh, either a burlesque show or a sex party. Mm-hmm. And then I was completely thrown by seeing them in clothes. Yep. Not that, like, that. Oh, is... that's what you look like with anything on. That is that is our story too. You saw me naked for years before we ever went on a date and actually had sex. You have a picture of my ass in just <laughs> a 
underwear with from the first time. Yes. Yeah, with, from the, the the first time we met. And yes, then, which was you know five years before we started dating. Yeah, yeah. So yes, yeah, so you've seen me naked in various stages of undress, in pasties and g-string. Yeah. Um, many many times before we ever actually were intimate with each other. Yeah, yeah, and that's that. That's a very common story. Yes, it is. Um, and uh, yeah, yes. We mentioned before. I thought you hated me for all those times. Yes. Um, but this time. gentleman yes. who who saw you on stage, saw you performing, saw you stripping, mm-hmm. and was like, "I want some of that." Yes. And we started dating, and very shortly after, he made me quit dancing because it made him uncomfortable. He made you quit dancing. Yes. Yes. I know. Agency. I you know chose to stop dancing right, because right, of the right. pressure exerted. Because he. Yeah. Yeah. No. But he still exerted that pressure. Yes. Said he would. Uh, withdraw you know we would not be in a relationship with me anymore and you know i really cared about him and yeah i've since learned that lesson anyone i've dated after that has had to be very supportive of my you know by dancing and my Mm -hmm. my burlesque Mm -hmm. because it's part of who i am and what i love to do but yes we will now call that the arthur miller syndrome (laughs) yes yeah you You do not cage Marilyn Monroe. No. You do not cage Grace. No, you cannot. No, not to say that Marilyn Monroe does not like to make eggs for people. I... I, On her own terms. On her own terms. I am... uh, I love to cook breakfast. I'm the brunch cooker Mm -hmm. um, between us. Oh, and you do such a good brunch. Thank you. I, I take joy in doing that little domestic thing. I also get to eat it, so that's also fine, but... I would never force you to or be like... Woman, get in the kitchen and make me some eggs. Absolutely. No, Absolutely. That's, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So Arthur Miller, a bit of an asshole, but I don't think we've talked about any men in this that haven't been. And sadly, I, I did look for letters from female authors and unfortunately they just weren't salacious enough. <laughs> there was one from Virginia Woolf that looked promising, but you know, it was, it was beautiful and sweet, uh, but mm. not erotic. Right, right. Basically, it was like, come hang out with me. Just fuck your, like, forget your husband. I'll forget my husband. We'll go and we'll, like, drink wine and have a good time. Which, you know, great, but not super erotic. A good time in the, like... Biblical sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah scissoring. Yeah. Which, again, I hear it's not actually a thing that people do, but that's okay. The consensus, from what I can tell... Is that scissoring is something that people think women do that they don't actually do all that often. Right. I, I have heard of some lesbians, you know, saying that they, they have done it. But I don't know if they have done it more than once. I don't remember anyone saying, yes, I do this on a regular basis. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. And obviously this is yeah. not something that I have any personal experience with. No. And I can't say that I don't. Mm-hmm. But. but. Okay. So you have. Right. It's one of those things where you hear, oh, this is what you do when you have sex with a woman. And then you Mm -hmm. do it and you're like, I, okay, I've done it. I don't understand why. Right. Okay. So, yes, you've tried it, but it's not a habitual thing. It's an overrated, it's very overrated, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. like a lot of things (laughs) that you think you're supposed to really like. And it's very overrated. Like, Like Joe Rogan. (laughs) It's like, oh, so great. He's amazing. It's a great podcast. You'll love it. It's, It's really not that great. So for the next uh, letter that I'm going to have you read, we are going to go forward in time to 1972. A little bit before our time, but in the decade that we were born. 
our parents definitely knew who Charles Bukowski was. All right. For sure. Right. Uh, he was kind of the zeitgeist. By the time we were in college, as a woman, if I dated someone who was like, oh, I'm really into Bukowski, like he, he was he was a dick. You knew he was just kind of a pretentious dick. All right. So All right. Yeah. he's a German-born but a, a Los Angeles-based poet and author. Um, his work often reflected his relationships with women. He wrote a lot about love and sex. This is this is not sounding good from the get-go. No, here. it's not. It's not. Critics accuse him of misogyny and sexism, which I think were probably very, uh, very apt. He even at one point in time admitted to admiring Hitler for being a quote-unquote strong leader. Oh my God. Yeah. Can we just let that meme die? Like that that is something that so many people I encountered in high school also thought. Or or college. Oh boy, like, you know, that's I, not good. I, I read I read Hitler's book. Mein I read Kampf. Mein Kampf just because I I like uh, I like knowing what the ideas are, even though he was a terrible person. No, that yeah, he was a terrible person. So he was a terrible person. So so yeah, definitely. I bet you Joe Rogan loves Charles Bukowski. <laughs> Anyways, several of his love interests became inspiration for his work, but he had a bit of a late start. Most of his notable um, relationships happened in middle age. But it start, didn't start off great. started off when he was 24. His first sexual experience was a obese lady, in his own words, that he accused of stealing his wallet and then kicked her out in the morning. Oh my god, this guy sounds like such complete trash already. Yes, he. Uh, it gets worse. He found the wallet later, so felt very sad and lamented for the rest of his life because she was the first woman who truly liked him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is that just him projecting or does he have actual proof that she liked him? Because if I were her, I would be like, you are dead to me. She may have liked him before he accused her of stealing his wallet. Anyways. Okay. Right. Um, so, you know, he had a lot of love interests, but the one I'm going to talk about here is Linda King. She's a poet and a sculptor. And they met because she wanted to do a bust of his, of his head, his face. They had a very conflicted and just... I'm not going to sugarcoat it. They had an abusive relationship and it was a five-year relationship. Very, very volatile. They would break up, make up, that whole thing. There were accusations of infidelity, which I'm going to probably say were true on his part. It seems in character, right? Right. The relationship even became violent and there was an incident where he broke her nose. So terrible. So there was certainly was a fiery, if toxic, passion between them. So this is a letter that he wrote her in 1972. And I'm going to have you read this. And this is why we're drinking a dirty martini. This letter. Take it away. I like your hand-walking act. That got me hotter than hell. Everything you do gets me hotter than hell. Throwing clay against the ceiling. You bitch. You red-hot shrew, you lovely, lovely woman. You have put new poems and new hope and new joy and new tricks into an old dog. I love you. Your pussy hairs I felt with my fingers. The inside of your pussy, wet, hot, I felt with my fingers. You, up against the refrigerator. You have such a wonderful refrigerator. Your hair dangling down, wild. You there, the wild bird of you. The wild thing of you, hot, lewd, miraculous. Twisting after your head, trying to grab your tongue with my mouth, with my tongue. We were in Burbank, and I was in love. Ultramarine love. My good, goddamned goddess, my goad, my bitch, my, my, my beating, breathing, hairlined cunt of paradise. I love that you, 
and your refrigerator, and as we grabbed and wrestled that sculpted head watching us with his little lyrical cynical love smile burning, I want you, I want you, I want you, 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 you. So after what you, uh, this, the short biography, does that surprise you that that's the kind of love letter he would write? Not at all. No, 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 it does not surprise me at all. I have to say that my absolute favorite line in this is, you have such a wonderful refrigerator. Yes. <laughs> he mentions the refrigerator twice. Like, did she have something that was like, you could find on the prices right? Like, it was like a yeah, something, right? it, like, it's a frigidaire with the ice maker. Like, well, why? Apparently it has a sculpted head. I don't know if this is part of the refrigerator or like a fridge magnet or something, but like, it mentions it in the, twice. the last. Yeah, exactly. Twice. So... What I'm imagining here is that, like, they're having this torrid sort of very spur of the moment, very hot sort of moment with her pressed up against the fridge. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and there's this sculpted head and he's just staring at it. And he's like, oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she was a sculptor. So maybe she had sculpted an art piece for the refrigerator. I don't know. Throwing clay against the ceiling. I mean, that's, you know, she was a sculptor, but... The hand walking act. Like, I want to know what that is, but. I do too. Just the refrigerator. Also, we were in Burbank and I was in love. <laughs> is anyone capable of being in love in Burbank? I mean, possibly when you get a good deal on a flight to LA and you fly into Burbank <laughs> instead of LA. I'm in okay, love with okay. Burbank. All right. Which actually, the, it saved um, me $100. Back in 1972, it was called the Burbank Airport, but now it is the Bob Hope Airport, I oh, believe. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I think you're correct. I think so. Oh, right. Because the uh, Orange County is the John Wayne Airport. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. You could tell it's modern because he uses the word cunt and pussy. But, you know, I don't think are are bad words. Those? Well, no. James Joyce also used cunt. Oh, did uh, those, oh, those are very right. Those are very old words. And your refrigerator. Like, I'm just... He put it in there twice. I want to know what was so great about this refrigerator. Oh, I think it had a fleshlight built in. <laughs> I bet you, uh, if we looked up refrigerator technology in 1972, when when was an automatic ice maker invented in a refrigerator? Because I bet, because who doesn't love that? Like you have ice anytime you want. The push of a button. I think that was after 1972. I don't recall any fridge of any era uh, when I was a kid having an ice maker. The word refrigerator appears three times in this letter. I have a question. Is there a fetish for household appliances? Absolutely there is. Okay. Yes. Well, okay. So this <laughs> is actually a part of a wider fetish. Okay. And this, this wider fetish is called... Object sexuality, or I think what people have sort of started calling it uh, in a vast perversion of ancient language, objectophilia. Oh, okay. Um, so this is similar to, okay, there was a, a show on TLC or Discovery Channel. Right. About people, men, sorry, let's be real, who were in love with their cars. Oh, yes. Okay. Right. And they would like fuck the tailpipe of the car. Specifically with cars. Or like in the cushions of the car like they were right, in love right. with their cars sure sure 
Yes, uh, and that's another very specific example of this object, uh, object sexuality. Yeah, okay. objectophilia. Okay. Um, so there are a lot of different sort of sub-genres okay. of this, this fetish. So um, you are, your fetish is for an inanimate object. You attach sexual feelings to an inanimate object. And unfortunately, like this is the sad part of this thing, it's very, very common for this to be a result of abuse, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. you cannot form those sorts of attachments to to other people. And so you take all of those and you put them on an inanimate object, which can't treat you badly. This is why we have cases of people trying to marry trees or school buses. Like, this happens constantly. What about, like, a real doll? Would that, because they're a human well, okay. count? So, I think it could. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I say this as someone with no training in any diagnostic capability. Of course. Like I, I, I don't have any training in, in diagnosing people, uh, no therapy, no, no mm-hmm. nothing. So this is all just based on research that I've done. So if you have like actual romantic feelings, like if you transfer those feelings that you would have for a partner onto the real doll, mm-hmm. then yes, absolutely. That's completely possible. Mm. And I think that would be 100% credible that someone would do that. Mm-hmm. But I think most people who purchase real dolls just want to have like a very high-end sex toy. So there was a case recently mm-hmm. where a guy bought a real doll mm-hmm. and then proceeded to have the real doll give birth to a baby mm. and then posted as like, my wife and I just had a baby. Yes, I read about that. Yeah. And that definitely is flirting with this sort of object sexuality. But because it is an anthropomorphic form, mm-hmm. that's got... Like, to me, that that seems like it has a lot of other very interesting subtexts to it. And so I'm personally pretty sure that there is something going on there. Like, I'm not sure if it was abuse or something, but yeah, like, definitely, definitely, like, trying to form the life he wants and and have complete control over it. That See, that's the part of it that that I want to point out is the control, Mm -hmm. right? A real woman... Right, like a human human being, whether that's a woman or a man or mm-hmm. you know whatever, um, female. female. Yes, uh, you could not dictate how and when they would reproduce mm-hmm. with you, or what the child would look like, yeah. or what she looks like. Yeah, no, this is something where the aspect of control is is fundamental. Fascinating, um, fascinating. But that's also a far cry from. A refrigerator. Refrigerator, yes. Going back to the slider, there's another thing that just kind of struck me as funny. Trying to grab your tongue with my mouth. Right. Okay, got it. With my tongue. And all I can picture is him, like, making the burrito with his tongue, trying to, like, <laughs> capture her tongue in the burrito. <laughs> can you make... Can you, you can do the burrito. Yes? Oh, you know I can do the burrito. <laughs> oh, no, no, I know. Oh, you're right. I, I do. Okay. I do know that. I do know that you can do the burrito. Sorry. Quick digression here. Yeah. I often have people mock being able to like roll your tongue, uh, you know, do the burrito, I guess. That's the first time I've ever heard that. That's called the burrito. Mm-hmm. I have never heard that before in my life. I have often heard people be like, that is the stupidest human trick oh, I have no. ever seen. Oh, no, it is not. If you are someone who likes going down on women, 
it is the best human trick. Okay. I'm very glad that I have the ability yes. to do the burrito. Then. Yes. It's like a hug for your clit. <laughs> I love that I asked you, can you do the burrito? And I know damn well you can do the <laughs> yes, burrito. Yes, you do. I've just never seen it with my eyes. <laughs> because you can't. <laughs> I felt the burrito. I've never seen it with my eyes. Get me like a glass swizzle stick or something. And I'll show you what I okay. do. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Well, on that note, what have we learned today? I learned that apparently that thing is called a burrito. I learned that Charles Bukowski really loves refrigerators. Oh, fridge. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> the sculpted head. Well, thank you guys for joining us. This was a, this was a fun one. And remember, it may not always be smart. But it is always smut. We'll catch you next time. (laughs) Here at the Interlude Podcast, we love tops and subs. That's topics and subscribers. Is there something you'd love to hear us talk about on a future episode? Email us at interlude at wholeassproductions.com. That's I-N-T-E-R-L-E-W-D. Or find us on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at interludepod. Thank you.